Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. I'm Ellen Trackman here with Jennifer White. Hi, Jen. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I'm excited to share this episode about uh, the process of making a really big decision. And it's so fascinating how we just kind of skim over it so often where someone decides to be a surrogate for someone else. But this, um, we are interviewing two people on a different podcast who really dig into that, that process for making a decision. Um, Jen, when you're making a big decision, do you, do you have any advice? Do you have anyone you, you go to besides me? Obviously. I, it's say it depends who the what the decision is, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, what's been fascinating to me in thinking about this is that like I with after twenty four years in the military, like everybody's like, oh, it's such a big decision to move, and I'm like, we didn't have any choice, right? Like, there's been so <laughs> many pivotal moments in my life that I just didn't have a choice. You just learn to roll now- with it after the retirement, you have to make decisions for yourself. How, how are you going to handle that? I don't know yet. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, maybe we have to listen to this podcast to figure out how to make those big decisions. Uh, I need to learn grown-up skills all of a sudden. <laughs> what about you? I mean, I will say I can go to the go-tos, like call dad, right? I call you. Obviously, I talk to Ryan, you know, like it depends yeah. what, the, what the big decisions are, like and who you need to talk to about it. But I mean, what about you? I'm pretty sure I call you for all of them. So maybe you weren't making big decisions for yourself. You were just making them for me. I'm just <laughs> making them for you your entire life. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right. I just call dad. And so you just get him like handed down as a siphon through. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Teddy, people on the street. Awesome. I don't know. I say the dogs. The dogs make all my big decisions for me. Totally fine. Yeah. Um, all joking aside, though, this is an amazing glimpse into making huge decisions. Definitely. Main question is, can I mute Dahlia whenever I like? That is the perfect start. All right, now. (laughs) Welcome, Austin and Dahlia, to this podcast. We appreciate you being here. Yes, we were recording when you asked if you could mute Dahlia when she was talking, but um, the answer is no, you can't. She gets free reign to speak when she wants. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, We are excited to share your story, at least a preview of your story, to our podcast listeners. As you know, we speak about surrogacy frequently, and so for those who are waiting for our next episode to come out, they can listen to your podcast, Tiny Huge Decisions, and here our plan is to get to know you a little bit and give a little bit of preview of what Tiny Huge Decisions is about. So um, we always like to start with a little introduction of each of you told on your own, which I didn't warn you about. So say we're in an elevator, we just met, um, Dahlia, do you want to go first? How would you... How would you introduce yourself? Yeah, Dahlia, give us your elevator pitch. <laughs> um, I'm Dahlia. Uh, Moss often tries to mute me and not let me speak. <laughs> oh, you're so impressed. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm Dahlia. I am one of the co-hosts of a podcast, as you said, called Tiny Huge Decisions, which I made with my best friend, Mossin. Um, and we were exploring in the podcast the potential of me being a surrogate for him and his husband, Matthew, um, who would like to have a family. Am I supposed to tell you other things about myself, like my pet? 
and my hobbies and like <laughs> I like like long walks on the beach, oh. favorite drinks. Um well I like to make miniatures and dolls houses and small things and I've got some here in my office because I'm also an anthropologist and I study For all sorts those of things. that can't see who can only hear because it is a podcast uh Dahlia did very nicely just give us the visual of it sorry we can see her you cannot so haha we win pictures we can post them though with right we'll either Facebook or otherwise so maybe some pictures maybe you could do a miniature of you and I Dahlia I could I could make a little both of us together um but yeah professionally I'm an anthropologist and I'm a medical anthropologist I'm my research is all about kind of health and also like why people make decisions about their health and what kinds of things affect making those decisions. So kind of relevant to the personal story. Okay, that sounds fascinating, yeah. Anyway, that's me. Excellent. Marcin, do you wanna give an introduction of yourself? Absolutely, I started life as a lawyer and most recently I was a criminal lawyer. Uh, and one of the things that I was interested in is the way in which Uh, societies criminalize and regulate the use of human bodies and so actually that was my professional interest in surrogacy before it became a personal interest. Um, I I now work for a consulting firm called Hacklet and I am also an author. I wrote a book called A Dutiful Boy which was a memoir about growing up uh, gay and Muslim in a kind of poor part of London uh, Dahlia was a central character in that book, but she chose not to be uh, named as herself, but as somebody else in the book. And then I got a and bunch of people. And now it's out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the book, and the book in the book, her name is Layla. And then in the thanks to the book, I didn't obviously thank Layla. I thanked Dahlia, and I got a handful of people who read the book and were disappointed in me for not thanking Layla in my uh, thank yous. Rude. Yeah, yeah. very rude. Um, wow. So, so yeah. So, um, and yeah, so I'm an author and uh, a consultant. Well, how did you meet? We met at university in 2003, so 20 years ago, which sounds like a very, very long time ago, given mm-hmm. that it also feels like our relationship has not moved on in any way in those 20 no. years i mean i've matured yeah. <laughs> I don't look that old i'll just throw that out there for people who can't see you, you know, um, still young. yeah well thank you um but yeah we met 20 years ago at university we we're both undergraduates at oxford master studying law i was studying anthropology we met in a friend's room um a mutual friend and i think we instantly became would you say we instantly became friends i think we instantly, yeah, instantly. became friends and have been friends ever since and it was 20 years ago this month. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Oh, oh, we could do celebrate your anniversary. We celebrate every year. Yeah. Every, every, yeah. Year. <laughs> every year we try to record like a podcast about a life changing Different decision life decision. that we're going to yeah, make. Exactly. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so the podcast explores this decision, which also you professionally, Dahlia, study these type of decisions. What was the impetus to start this podcast to start the conversation yeah um I guess nothing to do with anything professional or academic or it was basically just life so I guess no no academic paper out of this absolutely not and also my research is about malaria so really not um yeah but about four years ago um I became pregnant and so I'm married and 
decided to start a family, became pregnant and had a child. And for a reason which wasn't very obvious to me, a few months after having a child, I just started to get these thoughts about Mossen and his partner at the time. They weren't married yet, Matthew, and I knew that they wanted to have a family. And I don't, I honestly can't explain why, but something was in my mind about whether I could, having just been pregnant and just given birth to a child, if surrogacy was something that I could do and maybe would consider. And I guess I just threw it out there as an idea, um, very informally, almost like a joke. It wasn't a very fully fledged suggestion. I think I just said to Moss in one day, like, well, maybe I could be your surrogate now that I've had a child. And did you even oh, talked to your, did you talk to your own no, partner about it? No, first? no, I hadn't really thought, I don't, I don't, honestly, I can't tell you where it came from, but then because it was so unexpected, it became one of those things. I really genuinely felt it wasn't just a fleet. It maybe sounded fleeting in how I said it at the time, but it wasn't a fleeting feeling. And um, so I think over the next couple of maybe weeks and months, well, very initially we didn't talk about it again, but eventually we decided that it was something that we should talk about and talk about in detail, but was also very complicated. And we didn't really know where to start from that initial suggestion. And Mawson, what did that, I was going to say, Mawson, what did you like, when somebody just randomly like, hey, I might want to do this thing for you, like what? We had never talked your, about this before. I, I know. Say, that's why never I'm, like, I'm about curious it. to know what your reaction is to have somebody just like at you, like out of the blue. I didn't take it very seriously. And that was partly because I didn't let myself take it too seriously. I think that it is, it is a question I would never ask of anybody because it feels too heavy. Uh, and, you know, Dahlia and I have this wonderful relationship where we throw lots of different things around and, we, we we have quite a jokey relationship, as you might be able to tell. Um, and so I kind of just treated it as one of those throwaway comments. There was part of me that had a glimmer of hope that maybe she was serious, but I certainly wasn't going to press on it. And so actually, we made a joke about it, and then it became a bit of a joke. And then eventually, it was Dahlia that said, no, I actually am serious about at least talking this through with you. And it was at that point that I really paused and thought, oh my God, she's she's really going to consider this. And I remember going home to talk to Matthew, my husband, now husband, then boyfriend about it. And I was really taken aback, actually. And, I was, you know, there, there aren't that many moments in life where you are given such a thoughtful gift. And for me, like her saying, I'd like to talk about this in all seriousness. It just felt like such an act of love. Um, and so when I went home, I was quite emotional and I was talking to Matthew about it. And so we decided to sit down and talk about it seriously. Who suggested, let's not just really look into this decision, but let's record all of the conversation yeah. that others listen into as well. So we both thought of, we kind of said, right, let's, let's, have these conversations but one of the things that we wanted to do was to protect our relationship you know we see each other regularly we wanted to have some structure around how we approach these decisions and ideally we wanted someone's help in figuring out all of the different issues that we needed to, to be thoughtful about and so originally we kind of said look let's 
let's agree that when we're going to talk about this, we're only going to meet to talk about this and we're not going to talk about lots of other stuff because otherwise we'll just go in lots of different directions. So originally the idea was we would just have a series of conversations for ourselves. And then I think it was Dahlia that said, oh, it'd be really funny to record some of this. I bet we'd laugh at it later. And one of our, one of my friends, Louise Mountain, who is a, a producer on the show, I think she's, I think she's the showrunner of the show. I don't, I don't know what the titles are, but she said, when I told her about it, she was like, oh my gosh, can I please, can I please be involved? Can I please find somebody to, to help make this happen? And we were like, sure, if, if you think you can, then go right ahead. And, um, and so Louise brought on board Chalk and Blade and we went from there. Uh, Chalk and Blade is the, is the company that produced it. And then American Public Media picked it up and, and distributed it. So, so it all kind of happened incrementally. And I guess what we wanted, we wanted, we were quite keen that what we wanted to do when we sat down and talked to each other, it wasn't so much about finding out all the things that we needed to find out about surrogacy. I think we just wanted to record a way of keeping our conversations about how we were feeling and our emotions and where we were at different stages in the process and who that also involved, just as an almost like a diary of something that you don't often get access to and I think that's one of the things that I was finding is that you often hear people's stories after they've already made the decision you don't get access to all the complexity that comes into their changing ranges of emotions and feelings during Mm. and then you get you get the revisionist history version exactly which is is good in some ways but also when you have no idea what to do about something you don't just want to know from or hear from the people who have somehow found a way through that mess to make a decision so I think I just thought it was quite interesting as well to be able to hear two people in real time genuinely not know what the outcome of something was going to be and how they would work it out together. Yeah. I think it's such a gift to share those conversations publicly so those going through it can listen and learn and feel not alone hearing these conversations. I would love to hear how your profession as a medical anthropologist figured into your your mindset and your approach in making this decision. I guess it was kind of in the background in some ways, but my into surrogacy had previous to this conversation had only been as something I suppose that I had read about or kind of, you know, studied to some extent as a kind of um, phenomenon that other people did. And so I, I think before we started this process, my exposure to surrogacy was maybe some of the slightly, some of the kind of difficulties and the, and the, about surrogacy as a kind of global phenomenon in parts of the world in which um, it can also be really problematic right. and exploitative even for women. And I guess I didn't know then how I felt about surrogacy as a phenomenon completely separate to me and all of the kind of ethical, legal, bodily implications that are involved in this. I felt quite um, conflicted about it. Sorry, um, I felt quite conflicted about it. So I guess as an abstract phenomenon, it was something that I had read about and had exposure to, but it was always about other people's experiences. And I think I wanted to know, I suppose, how all of that then informs a decision when you've got to make it right in front of you with all of the kind of emotion of it actually being your best friend 
that this is happening for and this isn't commercial surrogacy this would have been you know what we call altruistic surrogacy right so I would have been making the decision to do this um myself sorry that doesn't doesn't really answer your question but I think um it was just a very different thing to explore what that's like on a person-to-person level than anything academic that I had read about uh or experienced about surrogacy and I think it's worth pointing out that you're in the United Kingdom, right? So Jen and I are in the United States where it has this certain perspective. I mean, obviously, people can vary in how they feel about surrogacy, but generally, there is this acceptance, compensation or payment or, you know, referred to as commercialization in other countries or in less friendly contexts um, is permitted in the United States. Do you have a sense in general, in kind of context of where you live in your country, how acceptable it is and did that play a role in your decision well maybe moss could answer the question about the technicalities because i think he knows more about it but one thing i will say is that a part like one thing i found really fascinating and interesting is that i have never come across somebody who has been a surrogate and i don't know what that tells you about the kind of you know frequency of surrogacy but it's just was not something that was on my radar as an experience for myself but also anyone else around me and that will be because i'm of a certain you know position or whatever in society but also i just don't think it's something that's very common in the uk at least um and that also meant that it was very i felt important for us to do this because it was something that i didn't have any exposure to and that maybe lots of other people equally don't have exposure to yeah. Masa, what was your exposure and thoughts on surrogacy at that early on, at least? <clears throat> well, honestly, I I knew about it because I have lots of gay friends, uh, some of whom have gone through the process. But I didn't know anybody. I didn't didn't really know any surrogates. And I understood that in America, where you have commercial surrogacy, uh, it costs, I think, nearly $200,000, uh, whereas in the UK, we have, they call it altruistic surrogacy, uh, and you cannot pay the surrogate, but you can pay her expenses. I'm going to pause there for a moment to say that I know that some people in the States take issue with the term altruistic surrogacy because they say that just because a woman is being paid does not mean it's not altruistic. Right. So. So there is there is some kind of uh, there is some debate about whether that's the right term. In the UK, you cannot get what is called a pre-birth order, and so what that means is that legally, when the child is born, so without wanting to give anything away, let's say that Dahlia did say yes. Um, any surrogate in the UK, right? <laughs> any surrogate, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dahlia as an example. Um, if she, if she were to give birth to a child that is biologically mine and that of an egg donor, so not biologically related to her, um, that birth certificate would have Dahlia's name on it and the name of her husband. That's what the law says. And then it would be the job, it would be my job, along with my husband, Matthew, to apply to the High Court in London to get that birth certificate amended and to get a parental order that reflects that we are in fact uh, the real the, the the parents of the child that can come with some legal complexity some expense but also some risk there has been at least one case where a surrogate decided that she wanted to keep 
the baby. And that caused a prolonged legal case where eventually the court, the high court in the in London decided that the child belonged with, that it was in the best interest of the child, I should say, to go to the gay couple. And without getting into the details of, of that case, because actually I do think there were some particularities to it, I think we can all agree that that is a horrible scenario for everybody involved. And so I think that when I looked at surrogacy, I looked at the risk. And because that's because I'm trained as a lawyer, that's what I'm trained to do. And so when Dahlia said, look, this is something that I will explore, I wasn't as worried that she would run away with our child. Um, but I, I'm, I was more worried she about lives. the emotion. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, I do know where she lives. Um, I was more worried about the emotional cost to her, to our relationship, and... And that became the most important thing. I mean, one of the things that Dalia and I discuss is what impact doing this might have or could have on our relationship. And what I said then was that it was really important to me above becoming a parent with her help that our relationship was preserved. That's amazing. And I mean, I'll say, you know, your brain, I, I think through risks, right, also a lot is you talk about like, well, then the carrier is on the birth certificate and the carrier's partner. Yeah. And so I know that, I mean, that's also another level of risk, right? You have yet another human being who is part of this equation. And Dolly, I know we kind of touched on it a little earlier, and you said, I, I, when I asked, like, did you tell your partner before you ever even uh, made the offer? How did your partner feel about all of this through? Because obviously, it's, you're recording your two conversations, but you have an, you have extra people in this. Absolutely, and I think that was the other thing that was really apparent very quickly is that this was not a decision between me and Mossin, and it was absolutely not even a decision between me and Mossin and Matthew and my husband. Like there were so many other people who were implicated in this decision beyond the two of us, the four of us. Um, you know, I have a child, we also have families, we have friends. And, and I think for some people, it can, it, that it's easy to draw boundaries around who is involved in these decisions. But I think both Marston and I actually felt found it quite difficult to not think about the wider network of people who are involved in making this decision, not least the child who is then at the centre of it. And that is very, again, confusing and difficult to navigate across so many different planes. Um, how many people are potentially impacted or have a stake in something like this. So, yeah, you only see in the podcast a snapshot of conversations really between Mossin and I and a few other key people. But we did feel that it was something that um, implicated a lot of other people. In direct response to your question, just to say as a background, and I don't think this needs to be in your podcast, but my husband just didn't want to be part of the recording of the podcast. And he also didn't want to... Um, I mean, it just wasn't his thing. I don't think he was yeah. particularly like um, against or anything. And also, he doesn't want his name to be used. So if I do at any point use his name. Um, Which she yeah. always does. And then I have to stop her. Yeah. <laughs> just to say, um, about my husband, obviously, beyond that first name. his fake name and then not thank him later, maybe? Is it just <laughs> an alternate name? Also, now that the podcast is out and he's like, oh, it's really good. Like, I should have been involved. I'm like, well, you know, you had the option. Um, yeah, but he that also actually did happen as well. He was just yeah. like, oh, it's actually quite good. So, yeah, like, I, I think I fairly early on, I did talk to him quite seriously. But he, he, I think his opinion was that 
given we were right at the beginning of this process and it was something that I had also just kind of thrown out there, he felt like a lot of the initial thinking and working out I needed to kind of do on my own separate to him um, before I could then really talk about it with him in detail in the way that it might impact our lives or me or our child, you know, in, in different aspects of it. So we ended up talking about it a bit later on in the process I think and I think it's just we everyone comes at it from a different position right and I feel like his position was really about thinking about our current family and our current situation and kind of protecting that whether it was me my child our family unit and um yeah that again brings in a whole load of other complexity when you're then trying to also think about someone else's family or potential of a family in contrast to your unnamed husband Mawson's husband did come on the podcast do you um do you want to give a little preview about his thoughts and feelings on the the topic and the decision well he's wonderful so he's just (laughs) unlike my husband he is yeah he doesn't want to be named yeah yeah exactly unlike Dahlia's terrible husband um No, honestly, it's funny. I was I was just on the phone to my brother the other day, who was like, "I think Dahlia's husband is the best person in the world." And I'm like, "Where did like you've wow. met him like three times? How where did that come from?" I think so they've no, met each other I, once. They've met each other once. Maybe once, but anyway. So he is wonderful. Um, Matthew was Matthew was excited. I think for him, he has wanted to be a father for a very long time, and it seemed like a a really lovely way to get even closer to Dahlia because he and Dahlia have got a a really magical relationship. They've been to like candle making classes together and random stuff like that, which I have no interest in. Um, (laughs) Miniature candles. (laughs) Man miniatures, yeah. Miniature candles. Um, so, So I think he was excited. He worried less about some of the 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 risks and that's mainly because his I think my nature is to probably focus on the risks his nature is to focus on the upside and 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 when I put the risks to him he acknowledged them but was more kind of keen to see where it could go and it and actually it was great for me because there was definitely moments where I was like I think this is a bad idea we need to even stop thinking about it but I think that's also what we're like, isn't it? But me and Moss is that we yeah. totally fluctuate between both being like really worried and stressed and constantly thinking about things in the negative and what and all the possibilities of what could go wrong. And then we get really excited and we then like egg each other on about the same thing and we get <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally like you know, because surrogacy is also incredible. Yeah as well as it's stressful and complicated. And so we completely just fluctuated between these two positions at all times. Yeah, because there are moments where it could it could feel like this wonderful story that you tell, right? Of something magical that happened and that Dahlia did for us. But then if something goes wrong, it could be a horror film. You know, it could really be this horrendous experience that was terrible for everybody involved. And led to the breakdown in a really wonderful relationship that we have. So we were having to think about rolling the dice on something really serious. It really did feel like an, a, a, an impactful and meaningful life decision. 
Can you share some of the points that you feel were the bigger issues or bigger obstacles or considerations when going through this process and making the decision from both sides? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was how demanding Dahlia was financially, just like how much she wanted, how much money she was uh, she was demanding. Don't say that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, do you want to go first, Shalai? Yeah, I mean, I can start. I guess, um, as I said, like I, I had a child four years ago, but I had quite a difficult um, pregnancy for various reasons. Um, and so I've only had one pregnancy and one child, but already in that experience, I felt like it really opened up my sense to how big a thing being pregnant is and also the potential of what can not go wrong like in the end you know I did have a healthy you know child but I felt like it just exposed me to what a big physical emotional even like spiritual toll having a baby can have on a woman and I think even though in my case the outcome was fine um it was something that was really on my mind and so in in all the emotions and there are many I think in the surrogacy process and journey fear started off being one of the big Um, emotions that defined how I felt about things and I was scared on that level of physically what all of the sorts of things that can happen and the implications um, of even just a a normal healthy pregnancy right still brings lots of kind of changes and and impacts Um, again fear about what it would mean for everyone involved I don't I don't feel that we hear or know a lot of stories about what it's like to be a child born of surrogacy and I don't know if that makes a difference or isn't or how it makes a difference. And so I think that was also something that I ha- had at the forefront of my mind. Again, I, I will know in our podcast that we have at least one interview with a child born okay. by surrogacy. We'll, we'll just throw it out there for those who want to listen. Well, then I need to she, listen to it she, because this is the kind of stuff that I really needed. You know, like you need to know about. I feel like you want to know. She, she was amazing. She was raised by gay dads. She went to, she, I think she was a student at Yale or was she at Yale Law when we interviewed uh, her? Of course Do you know she was. Time? If she was raised by gay dads, they wouldn't have it anywhere. I remember you. Right. Well, and her dad wasn't is an attorney in this sphere as well. So, you know, we actually had both dad and daughter, which separately, which was really fun. So, I mean, surrogacy doesn't guarantee Yale law, but um, sorry, go, go back to you. <laughs> but also oh we were in this unusual. Would do it if it did. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose it was just a weird situation because obviously we are friends. So this child would be very much part of my life. It's not it's like there would not be an option for them not to be. So even thinking about, you know, the person at the center of this and how that would impact all our lives. So I think there was lots to navigate, but some of it was about the kind of physical demands of it. Some of it was thinking about all the emotional, um, you know, changes in everyone's relationships, good and bad. Uh, yeah, again, thinking about how it kind of impacted not just us at the center of it, but our wider family and friends and networks. And yeah. Lots and I'm interested of- when we when we ask you the same question, Mawson, I I know you mentioned at the beginning about being, you know, a gay man in Muslim culture. Did, did you also talk through the cultural like implications through all of this too? Like, I mean, where where did that stand in all of this? I mean, I think the ship had sailed a while ago when I, you know, married a 
Irish man, but um, I mean, you know, where yeah. does that? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. I I'd stopped worrying about that sort of thing. If I'm totally honest, I think I mean, that's a totally fair answer. Yeah, I mean, I think that there were so many other concerns that I had about doing this, having children, having children um, in this way rather than in another way, trying to do it with a friend that the idea, the cultural aspect of it. And I suppose that I'm privileged to be able to say that I didn't have to worry about that. And that's because my parents have got to a point, it took them a long time and that's what a dutiful boy is about, but they've got to the point where they accept me and they love my husband. And I think what they want more than anything is some grandchildren. Now for, for a young Muslim, young, not young anymore, but for a, for a Muslim man to be able to say that is almost unique. It's, it's really uncommon. And so I acknowledge the, the, the depth of privilege that I have to be able to say that I didn't have to worry about that. Um, and instead, I just had to try and figure out how I was going to give my parents some grandkids. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's worth also saying that, you know, Mohsen is from a, um, a Muslim family, Pakistani Muslim family. My parents mm-hmm. are... British um, Christian Egyptian Christians and again I think we also felt like as much as this feels like an individual level decision like you're kind of saying all these cultural religious ethical moral things kind of loom over you in one way or another when you're making decisions like this and these were also things that we had not heard represented maybe in other yeah. people some other people's kind of experiences of surrogacy like again like I say it's not that I just didn't know anyone who had been a surrogate I hadn't heard the stories of people like us basically who were also yeah. considering it and and also between friends um when it's two close friends who are maybe deciding to do this together um so yeah there was lots to kind of think about and, and I don't know if we've decided whether it made it easier or harder that we were good friends and if it would, you know, I don't know if we've come to a conclusion about that, but. Seems like it could very much cut either way. Right? Yeah. Dahlia, I thought you said something really interesting in the podcast at one point. So you talk about speaking with different people making the decision to be a surrogate or to not be a surrogate. And you say that, you know, it wasn't about the why, because the motivations were really all over the place, but it was about the how. Do you mind expanding on that kind of exploration of other people's decisions and what made you come to that decision that's not about why, it's about how you just make yeah. the decision? I guess for me, the most like enjoyable part of this whole experience was having the privilege of talking to women who had been a surrogate. It was so fun and interesting and illuminating, and I loved hearing about their different stories but I didn't always connect with necessarily the reasons I guess I was searching for someone to help me make a decision about whether I was going to do this or not and when I was talking to other women about why they chose to be a surrogate I didn't always connect with those reasons and maybe that was because a lot of the time I was talking to women who were being a surrogate for someone they didn't know and I think that really impacted it because these were women who really just wanted and enjoyed being pregnant for example this idea of helping another couple have a child and 
I had all these ambivalent feelings about pregnancy anyway, given my own experience. And also I really did know the people and was going, you know, it was such a, just felt like a really different circumstance. And I guess in some ways, although it was really useful and amazing to hear about that, I, I think I kind of, it helped me to crystallize that thinking about these things in the abstract only gets you so far. Like, what's your opinion about surrogacy? How do you feel about this? Like, do you agree with it? What are the implications? And that ultimately, like, we can have a position on something, like whether it would be, whether surrogacy is good, or whether it's a problem, or whether we would want to be a surrogate, like, in the abstract. But it only matters, like, in the here and now, whether that's going to be possible. And I think it just helped me to think about, rather than trying to figure out how I felt about surrogacy or even how I felt about me being a surrogate, I needed to decide, was this something that I could do right now in the here and now um, for various reasons? I don't know if that makes sense, but it just kind of made it, took it from being like an abstract decision and making it like practically emotionally, like, is it something that's possible for me to do right now? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Masa, do you want to share kind of your biggest takeaways of the process, what you thought would be the lessons you could share for people or the reasons that they really need to listen to this if they're ever in this this place of making a decision? I mean, I think the reason to listen to to the podcast is is less to do with whether or not you're in the position because actually so few so few people will find themselves in this position. Great point. And and more to do with anybody who's navigating a difficult decision, a life decision, and having to think thoughtfully and carefully about what the implications will be and how to do that. And and I felt really lucky to be able to do that with my best friend. So I wouldn't limit it to people who are only in this position. I would say it's, I think more than about surrogacy, it is a podcast about friendship and about... Love. I hear that it's coming through yeah between y'all yeah yeah and so for me it's kind of it's one of those things where I would imagine wanting to listen to this if there was some issue that I was really grappling with and wanted to escape to a place where I could be alone with my own thoughts but also have somebody on hand to help give me an example of of how to think something through and then to go to your first question which was about kind of key takeaways I think that f- Going on this journey with Dahlia helped me to understand that I really wanted to be a father. And I'm not sure that beforehand I really appreciated that. I think, yes, if you'd said to me, like, do you want to be a dad? I'd been like, yeah, 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 I really do, really do. But then, like, after talking talking about it for so long and from so many different angles, I actually came out at the end thinking, wow, it's really, it's not, it's not going to be easy. Being a parent is going to be really hard. And as a gay couple, there's, there is every reason to say, oh, you know what, screw it. Let's just have nice holidays the rest of our lives and not have to worry about, you know, paying for kids and, and stuff like that. Um, but what I really valued in having this space with Dahlia was the ability to reflect on why something matters and how much it matters. And I think that that is also something that is not just true of people who are talking to their best friend about surrogacy. I think that's one of the reasons why therapy is so important. And I think it's one of the reasons why we as people living in modern day are struggling so much with our mental health, because we don't take the time to pause and say, here is something that really matters and is really important. And I'm going to devote 
10, 12, 14 hours solely to talking about this with my best friend, the person I trust most in the world. I mean, like, if we could do that on every decision that mattered, how enriched would our lives be? And so for me, that's probably the biggest takeaway is making sure that I'm doing a podcast with Dahlia every time something really matters. I love it. And I think it is such a a journey of friendship and a story of friendship versus one particular topic, which is, um, remind me, when is season two where you decide whether or not to give Dahlia your kidney? Is that coming out soon? (laughs) She's already got it. Thank you, Ellen. Actually, that was a great season two. So, Dahlia, I hope she doesn't need a kidney, but I know that you probably decide to give her one. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the journey. That's a you know what's going to happen. You can't you know give away happen? the end. It's probably going to. It's probably what's probably going to happen is I'm going to end up needing a kidney, and then Dali is going to have to make that decision as well. <laughs> that's I'm done. I'm done yeah. making decisions that, about me and my body and you. That's not very nice. Oh, ouch. <laughs> okay. Well, we so appreciate you coming on and sharing a bit of your your friendship and your time with us. And we are very excited for people to listen to all of Tiny Huge Decisions. So please, please go check it out for all our listeners. And thank, thank you, you for both. having us. Thank you for having us. It was really nice to meet you and talk to you. Yeah. Thanks so much to Mawson and Dahlia for sharing. Um, a glimpse into their fascinating podcast. So we really, really recommend that you check it out. So, you know, when this episode's done, you finished all of I Want to Put a Baby, you're waiting for the next episode, you have something to to fill your time and go listen to Tiny Huge Decisions. Um, looks like you can get it anywhere you get a podcast. Yes, I'm very excited to listen to what I haven't listened to yet. (laughs) Uh, They were so much fun to chat with. And I will say on a, just a side note, so people get the visual, like we don't normally do them via video, but they insisted. So we didn't record the video, but it was fun to be able to like watch them as they like played off of each other while we were recording, just to give people a little bit of glimpse into the the background. It was a really fun one. Um, Thank you as always to our team. Um, make sure all of you out there listening go and give us a little give us whatever number of stars you feel are appropriate on iTunes Um, so thank you for that for purchasing merch Um, thank you to Amanda to Tyler to Melissa and of course thank you for all of you for being here with us